now you've proven from the Bible that uh, whatever the word is, its other title is the Spirit of God. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then we've proven that there's only two people that were given the title Spirit of God, and that is Jesus and Gabriel. Yeah. So today I want to talk to you about something extremely important, okay. and that is the hidden identity of Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, we were told in the narrations of the Ahl Bayt and in the traditions and the words of the prophets and the messengers that most of the truth is found in that which the people deny. And we have uh, revealed uh, a few of the secrets uh, that were hidden in Gnostic Gospels or in manuscripts that were rejected by mainstream Judaism, Christianity and Islam. And uh, the topic surrounding Jesus is a controversial one mm -hmm. and his identity because in Islam he's held to a very high standard and he seems to be very special and he's given special titles but yet the notion of him being God or the son of God is explicitly rejected. Yeah. And at the same time, in Christianity, they are uh, staunchly holding on to the idea that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that the Son of God is God. Yeah, but you know, uh, we spoke about it once in a previous conversation that there was this Council of Nicaea and that was actually one of the main reasons that they had that council because it was in the fourth century. There were still all these different ideas about uh, who Jesus was and how he was divine and they, they decided on this concept which the all of the Christian churches hold uh, close today which is the, the concept of the Trinity where Jesus is the Son of God but originally uh, it wasn't what everyone believed all of the early Christians were not all in agreement on this point. Yeah so that's something that I think Christians they forget uh, they forget that uh, they were not as united as they seemingly are today on this idea that Jesus was God and the Son of God, uh, but rather a few hundred years after the passing away of Jesus, uh, like you mentioned at this council, they, the, the, the emperor brings forward all of these different Christians from all around the world and they are fighting with one another. They're not getting along. There's different uh, schools of thought uh, that are so different from one another, it would appear as if there were different religions. Completely. There were people who believed that Jesus was only a prophet, and yet they were Christian. And there were people who believed that Jesus was uh, fully God. And there were other beliefs that were held, uh, you know, in, in, in regards to Jesus. So today we're going to explore one of the Gnostic Gospels that were rejected, not placed in the Bible, uh, that specifically describes Jesus as being an archangel. Yes. Yeah. Um, this apocryphal text uh, called the Epistle of the Apostles actually talks about um, the events that happened before Jesus was born, but it has a, a very different piece of information thrown into it. So um, I can put it on the, the screen now and read from it. 
For ye know that the angel Gabriel brought the message unto Mary. And we answered, Ya, Lord. He answered and said unto us, Remember ye not then that I said unto you a little while ago, I became an angel among the angels, and I became all things in all. We said unto him, Ya, Lord. Then answered he and said unto us, On that day whereon I took the form of the angel Gabriel, I appeared unto Mary and spake with her. Her heart accepted me, and she believed. And I formed myself and entered into her body. I became flesh, for I alone was a minister unto myself in that which concerned Mary, in the appearance of the shape of an angel. So what it's saying, essentially, is Gabriel came to Mary and gave her the news that she was going to conceive this holy child, and she, she accepted him and she believed him, and then he formed himself in her womb, and uh, the product of that was, was Jesus. So essentially, Gabriel becomes Jesus in the flesh, which is, I mean, a huge, uh, a huge difference between what is taught in Christianity today and, and a, huge, a hugely different understanding of Jesus, but it does fit with uh, what is written in the Gospels, which is that it was Gabriel who came to Mary and gave her this news, and she did conceive the child and gave birth to Jesus. Yeah, it does go along with it. And let's see how well it stands against um, everything that we've previously spoken about, uh, as well as uh, what's present in Christianity, in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, as well as in the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. Let's see how many boxes um, we can tick and, and see if this theory uh, stands. Okay. Okay. So if Jesus is Gabriel, uh, then the first thing that would come off my, uh, you know, uh, come to my head is the idea that both of them share the same title, and they are the only two that share that title. Um, in Islam and in Christianity, Jesus is known as the Ruhullah, the Spirit of God. Yeah. Um, this is a unique title that's given to him. It's not even given to the Prophet Muhammad let alone any of the other prophets and messengers uh, in Islam. So he's known as Ruhullah Isa, uh, the Spirit of God, Jesus. Yeah. And yet he is not the only one. He's the only one out of the prophets and the messengers that has this title, but he's not the only being that is given this title. There is another being that's given this title in the Islamic narrations, and it is also very well known. And the Prophet Muhammad calls him this many times in the Hadith. He calls Gabriel the spirit of God or the trustworthy spirit of God, Ruhullah al-Amin, Jibril. This is the title that is given to Gabriel. So now we only have two characters that are given the same title, and that same title is the spirit of God, and that is Jesus Christ and Gabriel. And so that's quite shocking. Yeah, I mean, that's extremely significant, and there must be a connection between the two figures for them to be given the same title. Okay, so uh, let's explore this further. Uh, Gabriel, what is his function? In Islam, he is the angel of revelation. And uh, he is, his duty is to bring down the word of God, the revelations from God, from God to the prophets and the messengers and to protect it until he places it in the chest of the messenger uh, 
um, and that's his role. And if we can call prophets and messengers the face of God, because they are that which God faces creation, then we could say that Gabriel is the revelation of God. And the revelation is the word of God. And so then we could say that Gabriel is the word of God. Yes. And we have in the Bible, what does it say in 1 John? In in John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So um, Jesus is given this title of the word. And, uh, and later on in the text, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus, uh, the word of God, the messenger of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And that, it's understood that that was when Jesus uh, appeared. That's when Jesus was born. Okay, so then this is saying that in the very beginning, the only two things that are existing are God yeah. and God's spoken word. Exactly, yeah. You know, like when God says, be and it is. Yeah. So there's God and there's God's word. Yeah. And we have in narrations, it's stating that the first thing that God created was Gabriel. Wow. But there's, there's another interesting uh, aspect of uh, John 1. Uh, that it's also tied to Genesis 1 because uh, we, we have this phrase in the beginning and in Genesis uh, 1 it also says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then it goes on to say and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters so it's understood that here we have God in the, in the beginning only God and the spirit of God were mentioned as existing and here we have God and the word so the word is the spirit of God so, wow, that's incredible. So now you've proven from the Bible that uh, whatever the Word is, its other title is the Spirit of God. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then we've proven that there's only two people that were given the title Spirit of God, and that is Jesus and Gabriel. Yeah. And you said Gabriel was the first thing that God created. That God created. Wow. Because, <laughs> because if God speaks, or if God creates a messenger, he has to... Uh, bring down that message to the messenger. Yeah. And so that, that, that word of God has to precede the messenger. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's really incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, it all okay, matches. Okay, so then, so then now we, we, we talked before about this idea that there were prophets and messengers that were incomplete words and that there were messengers that were complete words. And we spoke about how the first messenger who really deserves the title, the Word of God, because he is a complete uh, word, was Jesus. And we, we, we mentioned that why. Because the other prophets and messengers, starting with Adam all the way down to the time of Jesus, they would receive the message purely from God, Right? They would receive the pure word from God, but they would also be influenced by the word of the devil. Yeah. And an example of that is Adam. He's in the garden. God is giving him. Gabriel brings down to Adam the names of all things. He gives him this knowledge. And, and Adam is working by this knowledge, by this inspiration that Gabriel puts in his chest. 
But at the same time, there are other forces that are telling Adam to do things and inspiring Adam to disobey God. And Adam listens to the word of God, but he also listens to the word of the devil. Hence, he eats from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and he gets banished from paradise. And we also mentioned how in the in the Bible and in the Quran, there are many instances of prophets and messengers that are disobeying God, whether it's Jonah who gets angry um, or it is Joseph who forgets to ask God for help and he depends on a creature and tells his mate to um, basically uh, seek, uh, you know, to intercede for him with uh, the Pharaoh, instead of depending on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking God to take him out. And that was a sin and a mistake. And what Jonah did was a sin and a mistake. And what David did with Bathsheba uh, was a mistake and, and, and with Uriah. And so you have these series of mistakes yeah. and deeds, like when Moses kills the Egyptian, it's mentioned as being a work of the devil. Or when Joshua forgets the fish, it's yeah. mentioned as being, you know, that he forgot because of the devil. So you have the influence of the devil affecting the prophets and the messengers after they receive the unfiltered word of God from Gabriel. So it seems like every time Gabriel brings down the revelation from God to the prophet and the messenger, they just don't seem capable of relaying that message without it being tainted. And that's exactly what the Quran said in the verse when it said, and there was not a single prophet or messenger that was sent except that Satan throws in their uh, revelation or in their wish. And, uh, And so they were all tempted by the devil and each and every one of them succumbs to the temptation of the devil at one uh, certain point, with the exception of Jesus, who his ministry starts off with the three temptations that he goes through, and he passes all of the three temptations uh, with flying colors, and he's not affected by it. Uh, They are things that he's thinking about, he's concerned about, because you can't tempt somebody unless it's a concern. And so he was given uh, the Holy Spirit, and he was told to go out and fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's hungry. Devil comes, tells him, if you're really hungry and you think that you're uh, so special, you think you're the word of God, the son of God, then why don't you turn this rock into food? And Jesus recognizes that what he's feeling, because all of this is taking place inside of Jesus. It's not like people understand it to be where there's a physical devil who's standing on the outside speaking to him, but rather it's the inspiration that's taking place in his heart. Wow. And so Jesus recognizes that this inspiration, this feeling that he's getting to to this command that he's being told by Satan, this whisper that he's being told to change the stone 
into food is against the command of God or the inspiration from God that he got by the Holy Spirit to go out and fast. He's capable of distinguishing between the two and he's strong enough to reject that which is not the unfiltered word of God. And so he passes the first temptation. The second thing is he's afraid of death. He's been fasting for a long time. He's worried. He's wondering, is God going to save me or not? The, the, the devil is tempting him, scaring him by that, and then tells him, look, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself off this, uh, cast yourself off this high place. Yeah. And what does Jesus do? He responds saying that thou shall not tempt the Lord. Yes. And so he recognizes that this command that's coming to him is not the word of God. And the word of God is that we should not tempt the Lord. And so he sticks to the word of God and he becomes a perfect manifestation of the revelation of God and the word of God. He does not succumb to the temptation once again and he passes. Then he has his final uh, temptation from the devil where Jesus is living in the time. He has this message that he has to proclaim that he's the Messiah, though he, although he doesn't have any worldly power and everybody's expecting him to have worldly power. Yeah. And they were probably saying things to him like, oh, Messiah, you know, why don't you get up and do something? We're being occupied by the Romans, you know, or he's worried about these things to come, that when he proclaims his message, that these are the types of things that that he would be told by the people. And so he's concerned about worldly power. He's concerned about uh, this and the devil offers it to him and tempts him by, by it saying to him, if you only prostrate to me, if you go down and worship me, I will give you kingship over all of the entire world. And Jesus recognizes and highlights for us through this story that he passes, that when you listen to and obey the inspiration which comes from the devil, it's actually an act of worship of the devil. Yeah. And that's why it's extremely important to keep the word unfiltered. Because any act of obedience to the devil is an act of worship of the devil. And all of the prophets and the messengers that came, they were not able to go through their entire lives without obeying the devil at one point or yeah. another. And there are verses in the Quran which clearly indicate that uh, most of the people are, uh, you know, polytheists without knowing. And so uh, Jesus, he passes and this story in itself shows that it was necessary for the word to become flesh, for the revelation after having been brought down by Jesus on all the prophets and messengers and then being unable to preserve it in its true form, it necessitated that Gabriel come down himself and become flesh in order that he himself deliver the message that God intended it to, to, to be. It's like that game of Chinese whispers where you have the person he's coming and he's telling somebody a message and, and the other person is supposed to go down the road and tell somebody else the message and the other person is supposed to deliver the message. Well, by the time it goes all the way down the road, 
uh, to its intended destination, there was 50 people who had carried and uh, said the message. And during that process, the message becomes changed. It becomes altered. It becomes corrupted. And so the person who's at the very beginning decides that the best thing to do is to get on a plane, go to the final destination himself and deliver the message. And that is what Jesus was. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, when you think about it in that way, it really makes sense. Uh, Jesus came and he corrected so much of what had been changed and distorted uh, throughout time. And why had it been changed and distorted? Because uh, the, the message of God had not been delivered clearly because nobody had been able to perfectly distinguish between the message of God and the message of the devil. And the only one who proved himself that he was actually able to, to know what was the true message of God was Jesus. And that's why he's given this special title of the word, because he was the perfect manifestation of God's message. And the untainted uh, you know, uh, messenger of God, the untainted yeah. word of God. And that's why we have also in the tradition from the Ahlul from the Prophet Muhammad, he says that uh, every human being that comes to the planet is, is touched by the devil except for two, and that was Jesus, uh, the son of Mary, and his mother. These wow. are the only two that were not touched uh, yeah. by the devil. And so that further proves this idea that he is the perfect word and the untainted uh, messenger. And uh, Gabriel, uh, so now that we've proven really that Jesus is Gabriel, we have to look at you know, what is the, the rank then of, of Gabriel, uh, what is the rank now of Jesus. And we find that there are many narrations from the Ahlbayt that speak to the fact that Gabriel is from the Ahlbayt. Um, and the prophet uh, states it on more than one occasion. He says, Gabriel is from us, the people of the house. And there is a very famous hadith or tradition uh, which states that um, Muhammad, one day he's feeling a little bit ill and he Fatima comes to his house and he tells her to get the Amani cloak and she brings the Amani cloak and he tells her to get under the Amani cloak and then Ali ibn Abi Talib comes and he asks permission to join them underneath the Amani cloak and he's given permission and the same thing happens with Hassan and then the same thing happens with Al Hussein and so it's those five uh, that are the people of the cloak because now they're all underneath this Yemeni cloak and uh, then all of a sudden uh, Gabriel comes down and asks Muhammad uh, for permission to also um, you know, come under the cloak and Muhammad gives him the permission and Gabriel informs Muhammad uh, that basically God is sending his peace and blessings upon him and God said that he had uh, created all of creation uh, for the sake of the love of the people that are under that cloak. Wow. And Gabriel asks God for permission to be included and to be part of the people of the cloak. And Muhammad welcomes 
Gabriel and God gives permission to Gabriel to join Muhammad and to be part of those people of the cloak. Then the verse comes down, Verily God wants to remove all impurities from you, O people of the house, and to purify you, a thorough purification. And so the idea in Islam is that there are people that are inherently infallible, that God has totally uh, purified from all impurities, and those are Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, uh, those five that were under the cloak, and the nine imams from Al-Hussein, peace be upon them, that come after that. And, and now, as a member of the people of the house, and as a member of the Ahl al-Kisa', and now we know that the Ahl al-Kisa' are not five, but they're actually six, the, the companions of the cloak, because it includes Gabriel, that we know now that uh, Jesus or Gabriel uh, has this uh, status as being a proof of Allah and uh, and a member of the household of the Prophet Muhammad. That's that's so beautiful and so amazing. I I, I think that it's so fascinating that uh, most people believe that there there are only five, uh, but Gabriel is is also included, and he is he is that, that sixth member of. Uh, the people at this special rank and it also makes his status clear because it's clear in both Christianity and Islam that Jesus has this special status and this special rank with God and as you, you mentioned these narrations uh, talking about how all were touched by the devil except for Jesus and his mother I mean clearly he has uh, a special purity and and that that really clarifies it that he was uh, Gabriel who was under the cloak as well and, uh, and there's this fascinating connection between Jesus and Prophet Muhammad. Yeah, well, now, like, let's, let's make the final tie okay. and the final connection between them all, uh, which kind of paints the picture uh, perfectly and gives insight into what's going on here. We had men that were chosen by God to be his spokesperson. And we have the word of God, Gabriel. Gabriel's bringing down this message. He cannot find an adequate caliph or representative of God that can carry the word and deliver it as it is. Mm -hmm. he, he, he tries in the east of the lands, he tries in the west of the lands, and he tries all over the planet. There's 124,000 prophets and messengers, pretty much all of them are, uh, you know, the message is becoming corrupted or they're obeying both God and the devil or they're bringing down a bit of the message from here and a bit of the message from here and placing it together. Yeah. And so it necessitates that Gabriel become the flesh, become in the flesh, yeah. and he himself carry his own message that he received from God, right? Yeah. And he too is unable to carry out his duties because he's so pure that the forces of evil immediately rush towards him and they cannot take his presence in the world and they decide to kill him. This is how they deal with a person who is not willing to negotiate and is turning the other cheek yeah. and who is not willing to fall to the temptations of the devil. The devil first comes to Jesus 
offers him an opportunity that he do like his companions did all the other prophets and messengers from before and listen a bit. Yeah. You know, and he even offers him more. He says, look, I know you're the the uh, the angel of revelation. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually, if you just prostrate to me, I'm going to give you everything. Okay. Yeah. I'll make you the, the king of the entire world. But he still says no. Then the devil decides at that point that he is going to now work towards destroying him, killing him. And that's what he manages to do, causes his arrest and end the ministry of Jesus three years later. Yeah. But God's story does not end there. What happens then is that God sends forward the perfect messenger that is able to do for Gabriel what the rest of them were unable to do, and that is to carry this message and preserve it without it being tainted and give it to the people. And so Jesus now, as Gabriel, brings down the message, brings down the Qur'an on Muhammad and Muhammad uh, gives the Qur'an to the people uh, without it ever being tainted uh, from the devil. And so there is imperfect words and then there is the manifestation of the word himself and then there is the coming of the perfect messenger and the perfect face of Allah and the perfect man and the perfect caliph of Allah who's able to um, fight against the forces of evil and preserve the word. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. And and again, as you said, uh, there was this connection uh, between them. Like we, we know that that it was uh, it was Gabriel who who inspired Prophet Muhammad. And again, uh, the the perfect uh, you know messenger of God was finally able to deliver that message to the perfect prophet who was able to go forward and uh, and preserve the message. That's really amazing. And so we know now that they are one and their light is one, uh, Jesus and Muhammad and the Ahlul Bayt God bless you, Tiffany. Thank you for joining me. God bless you and thank you so much for having me and I can't wait to continue.